You are listening to Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. Dude, I want to build you like a 59-degree head tube bike. <laughs> you mean a chopper? Yeah, and you can just like run into rocks directly and it just goes right up over Okay. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Just Riding Along, brought to you by Technical Difficulties. And Technical Difficulties again. And Mechanicals. And Technical Difficulties a third time. Um, Yeah, so tonight, uh, sorry about last show, last week's show, um, we had Technical Difficulties, and our sound recorder did not record the sound of Kenny's voice. So basically, you just heard Matt and I talking to thin air. Um, so we have not fixed much it. different than usual. Oh, <laughs> um, but yeah. So we've we've uh, we've fixed our technical difficulties for at least the next thirty days um, when this sound recorder, new sound recorder, expires, and uh, we'll just have to keep swapping it between the three of us, and we'll get at least three more months of JRA. No, I think I just didn't download the free version because I was in a hurry and I was already bonking. So no, the the free version only records fifteen minutes at a time. So yeah, uh, but anyway, speaking of, uh, we we can probably go back to last week and at least like say who gave us some donate some donations, um, and maybe like run through the listener questions really quick, or do you want to just like say those people are just out of luck? We can email them individually. No, I'm not emailing anyone question um, or an answer. <laughs> I don't mind because, just going over stuff super quick. So Spencer Warabeck of Cali sent some money. Joe Edwards of Ohio sent some money. Racer Gibson of Utah sent some money. And Robert Haynes of California sent some money. Um, Rocking. So also, real quick, a couple of questions. Someone tried to tell us about new shit we probably hate. Um Said the the stem force dampener. Uh, we already talked about the suspension stem. Yeah, the stay fast stem. Peter, get on your game. <laughs> Listen to all the old episodes and then come back and get at me. And this game changing uh, Orbea digit manual dropper post. Yeah, you know what? You're just a douche because not everyone can afford a real dropper. And also, this has twice the amount of drop of any other mechanical dropper on the market. So. Boom. How much does it cost? Not hundreds of dollars. Okay. You could uh, you can ride if you ride an NV seat post, then uh-huh. it'll just snap and then it drops all the way. <laughs> Have you snapped one before? No, I saw someone snap one. Oh cool. Yeah, did they did they get impaled on it? No, no, it just broke. <laughs> it was just like a crack. Yeah. Like got kind of floppy. Yeah, so they, they rode uh, full dropper for the rest of the race. All right. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, well, Kenny, you said the weather there has been terrible, right? Well, it's been, like, terrible. Oh, I wasn't I wasn't done ripping people a new one. We were just going to rip through the questions okay, real quick. Okay, let's do it. And then we'll go from there. Mike and Phoenix have been riding for six years now and had almost as many bikes in the same time. Right now I'm fixated on a 120-millimeter tie hardtail and wondered what, wondered what brands in this class I should consider. The Carver 420 tie looks promising because of the Paragon dropouts, tapered head to blah, blah, blah. I'm 44, 6'1", 32-inch inseam, and 205 pounds with no gear. 
I don't care about the short chain stays of a Visago, and I don't care really no shit what to look for in this kind of bike. Is the tie going to be better than steel in terms of comfort? Thoughts. Thanks. Thank you and great show. And then he sends the 420 tie carver build kit, which fucking sucks. Um, I mean, the parts on it are just absolute bullshit. Do you so. think it would be better to get like a cheaper steel frame with nicer parts versus this tie frame with shitty parts? Uh, I think it'd be better to buy a carb and put a pike on it. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I mean, I would personally say that if you're strapped for cash, I wouldn't spend all my money on a tie frame. I mean, tie frames are great, but build your tie frame really nice or don't build it at all. Well, I'm, I rode a tie frame the other day from a, it was a customer's bike. I was trying to do some creek diagnosis on a single speed and I pulled the straw on that one at work and this is a very, very, very expensive frame, and it rode like a wet noodle. Which one? Uh, doesn't matter. <laughs> it. I mean, it might matter. It's a. It was a. It was definitely an art bike, not a function bike. So. Oh okay. I think the bike probably had the envy effect. Can you have? Spend a uh, lot of- can you say? Can you rhyme the manufacturer's name with something else? Uh, <laughs> um. Let's just say that if I talked about the name of this manufacturer, I would be outcasted. Oh, so it was a Moots. <laughs> no. Oh. I would be outcasted. Okay. Oh, like a black sheep? Like a black sheep. <laughs> 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 yeah, it was a black sheep, and it rode like a noodle. Also, the top tube was barely bigger than my thumb, so. Yeah. Did it, it didn't have that split top tube, did it? No, but it was just tiny. And the guy wasn't that small, so yeah. I mean that's I the thing. I mean, you it. can make a really pretty bike, but you know, unfortunately, a lot of times a really pretty bike doesn't ride really pretty. Yeah, I mean, those did look really pretty. They look kind of kind of beautiful, actually. Like they are art piece type bikes. But <clears throat> um, so, what what advice are we giving this guy? Um, don't spend a bunch of money on a tie bike to have shitty parts. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, get a steel bike. No. He's 205 pounds. He needs an alloy bike that's not going to flop around like a noodle under him. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I think if he really wants to stay with tire steel, then get a steel bike with really nice parts. Matt says get a carve. Sometimes you get different answers on this show. No, that's cool. That's what we do. So I think you should – I kind of agree that he should get probably a decent aluminum bike, and then you can – if you're worried about ride comfort, just buy parts – with that in mind, because that matters. Like, it really does. Like, whatever wheel set you buy, that matters. Like, buy a Sintase or a Niner RDO flex post, and then or it's your don't buy size. a carbon rail saddle. At your size, get a, get, if you want tie, get a tie C post. You know, that'd be, oh, yeah. my tie C post is, is nice. so nice. Yeah. yeah, so there, there you go. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do. You know, ride a, you know, if it fits, or, or intentionally find a frame that fits a, at least a 235, rear tire and run a little bit higher air volume carve <laughs> i mean i just i just beat those bikes to death literally today i beat the shit out of mine you know what it's still happy matt like going down downhill on that matt gets tired before the bike does i definitely am not able to outride my carve with a bike and if you want comfortable don't get a big travel bike don't get a big travel hardtail get a full suspension bike Knuckle up and deal with the 
maintenance. I mean, on. a 120 full suspension is. I mean, not full suspension. A hardtail is is pretty reasonable. Oh, Harry's barking. But if you're doing it for comfort, then it's not. It doesn't matter. Like if you want comfort, then get full suspension. But if you just want a rowdy hardtail, get an alloy bike. So when you like wail it into a corner, it doesn't. It's fine. It it doesn't just like, talk over Harriet. <laughs> I mean, if you lay the bike into the corner and it noodles around, and you can't ride it for shit, then it sucks. So that's that's all I got for it is don't buy a tie long travel bike to get rowdy on because that bike has a bunch of crappy parts and you're not gonna like it and you're gonna end up spending a ton more money. I mean, it comes with Magura brakes. Like you can't fucking stop. I may buy like <laughs> a like a really pretty if I had a bunch of money. I would buy a really pretty tie frame and have it be like my commuter or my bar bike or something like that, but maybe not my mountain bike. If you just had like a lot of free money? Yeah. Okay. By the way, that little dog you just heard barking, he's like the Steve Buscemi of dogs. He's he's adorable in his own way. So we're moving <laughs> on. We got we to gotta burn through these. Spencer from San Diego, heard y'all needed more questions and more money. I got you covered on both fronts. Thank you, Spencer. Spence Dog, what up? I have a Salsa L Mariachi, and according to Salsa, it can run up to 2.4 tires. I'm interested in trying this out. Can you recommend a 2.4 benefiting the bike's general XC duty? Arden. Uh, on one caveat, the rims are narrow. They're WTB I-19s. Will such a wide tire likely roll side to side on this rim? I'm only 140, so I don't run a high pressure. Um, so to answer your your question real quick, if you want to keep it a cross-country bike, I'd run an Ardent 2.4 in the front and an Icon 2.3 or 235, whatever it's called, in the rear. And then you're going to have a, a big, grippy, knobby tire in the front. You're going to have a fast-rolling tire in the rear. And if you want more grips than that in the rear, then you should run a slaughter. A slaughter, a specialized slaughter control in the rear. It's going to have a same center profile like a, uh, an Icon, but it's going to have side knobs like an Ardent. Does that have the, does that have the S-Works Armadillo package? Um, so that's going to come in a control casing, which is going to be similar to an EXO tire from Maxxis. And then it's going to, or sorry, it's going to come in a, an EXO or a control, which is kind of like EXO. And then it comes in a grid, which is like a, an all mountain casing. It's like stiff. So. So it only comes with two acronyms? <laughs> well, you can get it in one of two ways. Yeah. You can get a, you can get a slaughter control or a slaughter grid. Oh, okay. I thought you could get like a slaughter control grid, Armadillo S Works. Two <laughs> BR. No. no. Oh, okay. I got it. Uh got advice on max tire width if you think two four is too wide. Don't think it's too wide. I just don't think you want to run an Arden two four in the rear. Also, a side note, I tried out that finish line stanchion lube that Kenny mentioned a few shows back. It is indeed it does indeed pull cord away from the seals and makes them feel smooth, but the shit is so expensive that it's probably not worth it if you replace your seals once a year. Um, $400 uppers, a can of lube. Like, I don't know how much that stuff costs. Kenny, how much is finish line stanchion lube? Shoot, I don't know. I don't even remember when I talked about that. I must have been really drunk. <laughs> well, I think it was kind of a long time ago. You said don't put stuff on your stanchion. Yeah, that must. That was probably like two years ago or something. Yeah. So I used that stuff a really, really long time ago. And, like, it made a small, very minor, noticeable difference. But honestly, if you just actually service your shit properly and you have like some lubricating oil in the bottom of your lowers like you're supposed to, and maybe every once in a while you turn your bike upside down um, and move all that oil around, you're going to be fine. So 
Like, I really just, I still really don't recommend putting anything on there unless you, like, absolutely had to. Like, if you were going to ride a bike, you know, 5,000 miles unaided and, like, you carry a bottle of that stuff in your pocket, that might be okay. But, like, you'd be an idiot. If you're going to ride 5,000 miles unaided, you need a rigid bike. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. <laughs> That's What do you think, Kenny? Uh, I, I had a, a trusted suspension person, like, suspension knowledgeable person tell me, on the inside of seals, like once you put, you know, like you put the rubber fork seal in sure. and then you soak the foam wiper in some, you know, whatever the recommended weight oil is, put that in sure. and then put um, slick honey grease sure. on the inside. And I've been doing that and it seems like it works really well. You just have to like wipe the fork stanchions off like the first ride or two because the extra just, you know, clings to it some. Do you do anything like that? Like, do you put anything in there, or do you just, like, say that that weight, that whatever that oil is on your foam rings is, is good enough? It seems to me that the oil does more work than that grease does. And the problem is the grease is great when it's brand new. But, I mean, that grease, what you'll find is over time, it just kind of stays where it is. So, so once you wear that first layer off... It just, like, it, you just have a, a little grease in there, and it's yeah, not really it getting on the... Yeah, it stays packed in there, but it's never going to touch your stanchions, so... Yeah. I mean, unless you ride like sense. a 28 mil stanchion sit or something that's going to flex every time you like break and it touches, <laughs> like yeah. So I guess that's a feature of a flexi fork. So like I guess <laughs> I guess it stay lubricated better. I don't really know, but um, in my in my experience, it seems that the oil, whatever oil you have in your lowers, that seems to make a bigger difference and yeah also, that makes sense. it really is not a very bad idea that every at least every couple of weeks or something just flip your bike up, upside down for a few minutes and let all that oil run down um and it really does help yeah <clears throat> that makes sense but it's not a bad thing you're not going to hurt anything doing putting like grease on your seals so i usually yeah i figured as long as the seals were like not in terrible shape and letting dirt in that it was it wasn't going to hurt anything no i don't think it's going to hurt anything i just don't think it's going to be like the the, you know, it's not going to fix your fork for a year or something like that. And lastly, this goes back to when we were talking about Shimano knows that 1136 is the shit that works with their mountain derailers. Like, if putting slick honey on your seals made your fork work way better, I bet RockShock would tell you to put slick honey on their seals. Because, like, there's a dude that tried that, and he's like, meh, it's okay. It's kind of messy. Yeah, right? and that's probably I mean, exactly so- what their sentiment is. So. I mean, what I've seen so far is in, like, a traditional, you know, non-upside-down fork, like the fork that everyone is used to seeing. Um, you got to have a little bit of lubricating oil that sloshes around in the lower legs, and that's just it. It sloshes around for a while, and then you change it every year. And, uh, you know, if whatever has seeped out over the over the year or dried up or what the heck else, um, you replace it, and it kind of is what it is. So unless you have you know, an upside down style fork. That's really the only good way to lubricate it. Yeah. So that's cool. Oh, uh, so the actually next... on that note real quick, not to be too much of a tangent, but uh, one of our Cannondales like last year or the year before, it was a really good price point, came with a Magura fork. And that thing is the biggest piece of shit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and, really? and I knew, I like, I knew my gut told me when I saw that bike, don't, get that bike because it's got that Magura fork. Everything else is awesome. And what was so piece of shit about it? Like, did it just feel bad? Well, the way it's built is just hysterical. So they use no lubricating oil. Oh, wow. Zero. And sure enough, customer brings the bike back in. 
and you know he had it for six months or something, and it looked fairly normally used. And his fork is like locked up. I don't mean like oh, wow. I don't mean like doesn't feel good. I mean it's locked up. It feels like uh, you know a RockShox Quadra Twenty One R that's like seventeen years old and no never done. <laughs> it just good. doesn't move. It doesn't move anymore. Like you can you can actually like hold the crown and pull up on the fork and it'll like make a like weird chunky noises and and slowly notch out like you know ten mil at a time. <laughs> and I looked their service video. And they actually tell you, they don't use any lubricating oil, which blew my mind. And we took it apart, and you have to place grease on the bushings on the inside. That's how you lubricate the fork. Oh, wow. So you basically have to do it, like, every, like, hour of use. <laughs> and I, I just I, blows my mind that they think that's an acceptable way to build a fork. So if I had that fork, I would drill holes in it and put those, uh, what are they called, alamites? Oh, like the little Zerg fittings. That would be cool. Yeah, well, is that what they're called, Zergs? Uh, Zerk or Zerg? I'm not really sure. Exactly. Is that what's on the bottom of a Santa Cruz? Yeah, it's like, you know, the traditional, like, a tractor grease port. Yep, and they're, <laughs> like, on your ball joints in your car. And yeah, stuff, right? yeah. Yeah, I would definitely just put one of those on my fork. Man, and that's actually I would a just... super good idea. I know, that's why I had it. <laughs> that's, like, maybe the best idea I've heard ever. <laughs> I mean, really, like, you're like, oh, hold on, guys, I'm getting ready to ride, and you get your, like... Your, your grease gun? Well, you know, you have a Thule T2, and you've dedicated one of your holders to a five-gallon tractor oil with a pump on it, yeah. and you would just, just pump 50 weight into your fork. Yeah, you're just like, hang on, guys, let me know when grease starts coming out of my seals. <laughs> and that means we're ready to go. <laughs> And you, you know, you, instead of having a goo packet, you could have fifty weight packets in your Camelback for really long rides. God, could you imagine how much grease it would take to fill up like all the lowers of a fork? <laughs> <laughs> God, can you imagine the mess it would make when you bottomed it out? Oh and my shot God, grease in your it would. That'd be crazy. <laughs> so anyway, right. moral of the story is don't buy those entry level Magura forks. They have like aluminum yeah. uppers, and like they're all pretty lightweight, and they have an air spring, and they are absolute pieces of shit. Wow. Yep. Uh, is that all of that guy's question? Uh, can you tell some more stories? They're usually pretty good, even if they're not bike-related. Zerg fitting story. There we go. It's kind of ambiguous, but do with it what you will. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's good. We just have, like, this episode, we've got a bunch of... Uh, oh, I guess we're not going to answer that question. This dude has a two-page question. He bought a used bike. It's got a sit and a float. He wants the fork to feel better, and he wants the fork to feel more like his rear, and he thinks the sit is just a, too stiff of a platform, and he only weighs 150 pounds. I think he should run lower or lighter oil in the fork, top and bottom. Yeah. So yeah, put, does, he uh, say, in oil damper. does he say what year it is? It's not like a 2002 or something, is it? No, 2014 sit okay, cool. on a Trek Superfly full suspension 99 XX1. <laughs> so, yeah, put um, take um, the, the, nope, nope, the damper he, out. That, that what? He has a, a wheel question, so we're ignoring the rest of it. So Take the damper out, put two and a half weight in. And then in the uppers, put in zero weight, because that's what they put in all their new forks. So make sure you run zero weight in the uppers. That's what's in I a... like uh, that zero W30? Yeah, zero W30 is yeah. in the uppers of a pike. So that's what you should put in the uppers of a SID. Um, I, I put two and a half weight in, in the oil damper of... A Sid World Cup. What do you mean? What do you mean awesome. in the uppers? You mean in lowers? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. Um, Hell, put a Zerg <laughs> fitting in there and just pump a bunch of grease in it. <laughs> Done. <laughs> You're going to have to hear us typing right now. Um, what are you about to type? What is the grease fitting? Oh, Zerk. What is They're- a Zerk? Z-E-R-K. Uh, oh, maybe Alamite is a brand. Because <laughs> I've heard them called Alamites before. That's that's all you got. That's your picture right there. Um. So Wikipedia says a grease fitting, a grease nipple, zerk fitting, or alamite fitting is a metal fitting used in mechanical systems to feed lubricants, usually lubricating grease into a bearing under moderate to high pressure using a grease gun. So an alamite, a zerk, a grease nipple. I like grease nipple a lot. <laughs> grease uh, nipple is pretty good. A pretty good phrase. You could you should go to the next questions. You can read that later. Oh man. So there we go. Grease fitting. Zerk. Alamite. Grease nipple. Done. Is JRA still alive after the last episode rant? So I guess our last very ranty episode was uh was the What was that? What when were we talked about, about the Shimano stuff and how we're just getting totally fucking raped when you can go online and buy that shit for a dollar more oh, than yeah, I pay yeah. for it as a dealer. Or a dollar. I mean, it's within fucking six percent every time, and it's just like, fuck you, fuck you. Anyways, uh, <laughs> that's Roger I would like from, to know Roger from Nashville. Roger Tennessee. from Nashville. Um, Nashville. I would Vegas. like to know your thoughts on the Praxis ten feet eleven forty. I just bought mine and going to install it soon. Well, it might work. Um, also, I don't know anyone that's used one for very long, so I don't know how long they work. So. Don't really have any input on yeah, that. Yeah, let it let us know if it works because like what Matt found out with the um Wolf Tooth forty two uh up like upgrade to the, the ten speed cassette, on one bike it was terrible and unusable and on the other bike it's perfect. Money, money, money. You know so yeah, I mean it, it could be either one of those. Um I've probably got ten or fifteen people locally that I've seen install them or have installed them on their bikes and not a single one of those people are still running them. Like some people, some people ran them for like a month. Some people ran them for two months. Some people ran them for like a day, but nobody is like continuing to run them. Well, I mean, it's not really that necessary. You don't need it there. I mean, that's the, that's what it comes down to is you don't need it. No, that's very true. But I just thought it was fascinating that nobody has it on their bike. Well, and I'll tell you this, you're also in Memphis. You very much use the, the shitty part of the cassette. So when you do that adaption, that adaptation to a, a wider range, you ruin the Memphis part of the cassette because you would take out the 15 and 17 and add in a 16. Yeah. So you would go, what would that be then? Like 13, 16, 19 or something. Yeah, that's horrible. And those are your Memphis gears. I've found that in Colorado, I'm either, so I didn't use a 16. I'm running 15 to 19 jump because I feel like I'm either riding above the the gap or below the gap, like 11, 12, 13, 15, or I'm riding, I'm going uphill. 30, 36, and 42. No, 28, 32, 36, 42, like those last four cogs on the top or the last three or four cogs on the bottom, and that gray area in the middle I don't really use much because in Colorado you're not on that flat to rolling terrain you're always going up and down you're either going uphill 
and you're like working it or you're going you're either going downhill and you're not pedaling because you're going down a real fucking hill or you're going downhill on the road so you're in the 11 that's all that I like I raced this weekend and there's only three things that I wanted one was better not to become lost during the race Two was not to shift under load, and the third was a 10. I wanted a 10 for the first time in my life. So, that's true yeah. story. So, so, so that 1140 might work. Um, let us know if it does. Uh, let us know if it doesn't. Yeah, let it, just tell us tell us how you like it. I, I'm curious. So It doesn't matter. I'm going to buy one. We have them in stock. I really don't like the jump. I really don't like the... Here's the other thing. I don't like a 42 on the trail. I kept using mine today, and I feel like a 36 to 42 jump is pretty big. I mean, it's six teeth, and then I feel like it's a really big shift back down. And I sometimes feel like I want to be between those two gears. And I don't know if that means I could get away with running a little bit bigger front chain ring. Would a 32-42 be easy enough because I don't feel like the 42 is really that useful on the trail. You're going so slow that if you bump into something that you just kind of like stall out or fall over or spin. So yeah, like a 30, 42, you can't really use that if the trail is anything but like smooth. Yeah. Like you, you pretty much, if it's like smooth and pretty steep, you're all right. But if you are, if you're on anything where you're having to like power through sand or over roots or anything like you you do you like you tend to spin the the thirty forty two like it just doesn't really work that well. But the cool thing of XX one is the next shift down is thirty eight, not thirty six. So it's like a little bit easier still than a thirty six. Yeah. So that's like a good power through something uphill gear. So I should just buy XX one and be done with it. And yeah. Stop fucking so so should you, Roger? Guys. Just get XX one. Yeah, just buy XX one. Done. <laughs> um, so is that all of our questions? That's all the questions that we're going to answer. The other dude's question was really involved. Do you want to go back to the ones from last week? And I don't just, have them. Uh, they should be on the, aren't they on that document? No, Ben just keeps us a fresh and simple sheet to work from now. Oh, okay. Ben keeps it fresh for us. Ben's working hard. For those of you that don't know, Ben did very well at the, uh, what rate, what was that? Shimonga? At the last NUE race, Ben did very well. So congratulations, Ben. The last at the last NUE race, uh, Ben was fifth overall. I can't say. He rode his single speed to a fifth place overall, and he is he's been working very hard all winter, and that has been a well earned and well deserved uh, good result that he put in the work and definitely earned. So good job, Ben. Fifth overall Um, NUE. That's like kind of the real deal. Yeah, Uh, it is. That race is a big deal, too. Ben Wellnack ain't nothing to fuck with. Yeah. Ben's a hoss. For for those of you that missed that, that was my Dave Chappelle Wu-Tang Clan. Ain't nothing to fuck with. I guess I can't scroll back and, like, go to an earlier version of this. Well, no, because it's just a link. It's a link to the Google document that we always use. He just updates it. Yeah. Shouty, let me update you. Let me update you. It's upgrade you. I know it's upgrade you, but he updates the list. I can't. He's not upgrading it. He's updating it. Jesus Christ! I did want to add. Um, last week, I, I did have a little bit of a rant about how the problem solvers PressFit Thirty EBB eccentric bottom bracket 
is probably the worst piece of... If you wanted, what we could do is go through last week's audio, and I can clip that piece out with Audacity and send it to Ben. Yeah. And we can just be like, last week, we had some problems with our recording, but we needed to share this with the world. And like drop <laughs> yeah. that in, so we'll do that. So you get the native and like original rant. Um, it's 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 still freaking. It's even worse than it was last week, actually. Um, but anyway, so Saturday morning, I was looking at Facebook, and someone posted about it, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I should do that." There's a single speed category, and so I swapped my uh, Cisco. Uh, it's a custom tie hardtail. I had it set up geared, and I swapped it over to single speed. Uh, and by the way, I'm using the who makes that problem solvers? Yeah, um, problem solvers EB46. The EB46, and it's an eccentric bottom bracket for press fit frames. Well, if not for car- you can't use it on carbon press fit frames, supposedly, but <laughs> yeah, you can just the one time though. Just the one time. Um, so it's a press fit eccentric bottom bracket, and it is. On my top five list of bite shit that I hate. It is the worst piece of... Like, I literally... I, I cleaned the frame... It was making noise. I cleaned the frame up, made it single speed. I got one noise-free ride out of it. Literally, like... 18 I, miles. Yeah, 18 miles. Well, it, I'd give it 20 because I did warm up. Um, about 20 miles on it. There was some mud... Um, there was definitely, like, there were a couple of little, like, boggy places on the course. And the next ride, yesterday when I rode it, it was making the most god-awful noise I've ever heard an eccentric bottom bracket make. And it actually got worse as I was riding. Like, at first it was only when I stood up, and then by the end of my ride, like, I couldn't put more than, like, 100 watts on the pedals without it creaking and cracking and making just all sorts of terrible noise. So... Screw that thing. Like, that, it's like, it's awful. I've got to find a different eccentric bottom bracket to use because it's just so, like, I, I'm pretty tolerant of bike noise, too. And it, um, yeah, it, it's just, it's bad. It's real bad. So, Andrea, does your... Because not only is it just making, like, in that just noise, as soon as it gets dirty, just creaking like a motherfucker. It also, now, like, I, I took it apart to clean it and make it shut up um, before the race I did on Saturday at Winter Park. And when I put it back together, um, the configuration of spacers and bullshit that you have to have on the crank to keep it from wobbling, um, it wasn't working anymore. And so I spent 45 minutes trying to get this stupid thing to neither bind up and drag or wobble. And I've still got a little bit of a wobble, but that was like if I added one more little like half mil spacer, it had dragged. So the press fit, the problem solvers press fit 30 EBB is awful and no one should use it. It's the problem solvers EB 46. If you have a different um, experience with this, we don't care. Yeah. This is a perfect example of, uh, so my question is, have you contacted problem solvers and told them? No, I haven't. That's that's your first place. Before you rant, you need before you continue to bash them, you need to see if they'll send you a new one. And if sure. they do, just sell it on eBay and buy something <laughs> different. I'm, I am dead fucking serious. Like that's a good idea. Um, I might. I want to try either. Wheels Manufacturing has one now, but it's I, last I checked, it was not available in QBP. Um, 
Niner makes one that looks actually pretty good. Um, like the two sides actually attach to each other before you put the bolts in. So it's, it's not possible for the two sides to get like unclocked from each other a little bit. Um, so that looks promising. Um, team beer makes one. I did contact them and, um, they're a really, really small company. So they're, they're not really giving them out for review. Um, but I mean, I might, I might just based on what I've read, you know, people being happy with them. Um, yeah, I, I might try one of those as well. So yeah, listeners, if, if anyone's using a PF 30 eccentric bottom bracket, other than the problem solvers one, uh, let me know what you think. Or even better yet, if you have a press fit 30 compatible, eccentric bottom bracket out there that you are not using because you're fully geared and dedicated to geared now, send it to us and we'll try it and we'll review it. And if you do send something like that to us, you will get a bunch of cool stuff in the mail back. Definitely a JRA mug. No, we won't even go into what it is because I'm, I will dig in and I will, we'll find some cool shit in our garage to send to you. Well, I was going to, yeah, some real cool shit. So there you go. There's that. Um, All right, are we, uh, Kenny? Is there any shit that you hate? Um, nothing, nothing crazy at the moment. I talked about the Magura fork. What else have I seen lately that pissed me off? <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's a little bit silly. The the Boost one forty eight rear hub. Uh huh. Um, I think it's a little bit silly. At least the initial spec on it is obviously that it. Uh, I was actually under the impression that it was not like this, but it made me correct me if I'm wrong. But I was told that the basically it grows three millimeters in either direction. So yeah, the, it gets wider, which is all fine and well, but it doesn't take into account the insane amount of dish you have on the drive side. I thought it added all those six mil just to the drive side flange. Like, I thought just the drive side of the bike. Oh, yeah, to, like, kind of balance out the... Yeah, I thought just the drive yeah. side of the bike went out 6 mil, and that's why you also had to have a new crank or new crank or ring or whatever to get a better chain line. But apparently that's, okay. that's not the case. It only moves out 3 mil. So I guess it's up to the manufacturer of the hub if they want to move those flanges or not. Yeah, yeah. So in theory, I guess what they could do is they could leave the non-drive side flange alone, and they could just move the uh, flange for the drive side over 3 mil, and that would make it, yeah, 3 mil better, but, I mean, that's, like, kind of ridiculous. That's such a small amount. And then right. and they would just add all that extra space on the non-drive side. Instead of adding it to the flange, they just move it, like, you know, into that dead space. Um, Between the flange and the exactly, rotor. Exactly, exactly. So, anyway, that was just kind of weird to me. I thought, yeah, that's just weird. So, as I see it right now, Boost 148 is not nearly as cool as I thought it was. Okay. Well, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's better. I mean, yeah, it's technically better. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna argue against that. Forgetting and here, forgetting for a second that it's another, it's another thing and another standard and all that. If you look at it on paper, it is better. So, I mean, it is what it is. You know, it's also good on paper. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny and I both laughed so you, because we know it's not going to be anything yeah, good. It's better be, it's better be the most amazing response I've ever heard. <laughs> Tie hardtails are great on paper. Uh, yeah. 
I like my tie hard tail. Yeah, your tie hard tail. You know, it was supposed to be funnier because I was going back to knocking on the guy's idea of having a tie hard tail with X seven. That should, that's what I should have said. Tie hard tails with X seven. Oh yeah, so, that doesn't. I don't know. If I saw that, on that's a not really paper, good on paper at all. No, on paper you'd be like, oh look, it's tie. It's got uh, you know mid level components from a reputable manufacturer. But then in the real world, you're like, wait a minute, anything under XO just doesn't fucking work, like, ever. It works for, like, three rides. Uh, I agree with that 100%. So my cross bike is now, I've had my cross bike since September or August or something like that, and I'm on my third SRAM X9 rear derailleur for it, and it's broken. Nice. So the first one broke, the second one broke, the third one's broken, and I'm going to have to warranty it again, so it's whatever. But... Um, on a quick tangent, hopefully Ben can post this show before Sunday. Uh, oh yeah, like, all of all of my bikes are on eBay right now. Under, oh yeah, definitely. So every word is spaced out by an underscore, but it's bike stuff and more. Um, and every he can put a link in our show, like in the show. Click on this thing, like that's there. He can put a link in there. Yep. So um, everything except for. I have one shitty commuter bike that's not for sale, and my hardtail is not for sale. But in the next, so my cross bike. Yeah, did you have two craves? Uh, I sold one of the craves a long time ago. Hmm. Because I used all the parts from the the fully geared, dedicated crave to build the Niner. Yeah. And then I sold that frame only. And then I sold that carbon fork separately. And then I sold. Or now I'm going to sell the Niner complete with XGR 1x10, XG brakes and crank, dropper post, SID fork, Kashima shock, through axles, Hope hubs, lace to stands rims, carbon bar, XG brake. I mean, it's, it's a really great cross-country bike if that's what you're into. And I just don't want a cross-country full-suspension bike anymore. Um, my CAD 10 is for sale with SRAM Red 10-speed and a cork. My CAD X disc frame is for sale with... Frame, fork, and bottom bracket bearings, derailleur hanger, headset, spacers, and top cap and shit. So, um, Yeah, buy my stuff. Buy my stuff. If you're going to get the Niner, I have a feeling you're going to have to throw some ducks down. It was on the, it was on eBay for just like two, uh, 12 hours. I mean, and it, it had, uh, it's already gotten a, a bid. So the Niner's for sure going to sell. But the other stuff, if you want it, get in contact with me and, and we can not go through the proper channels of the bay and I'll get it to you for the low. So I forgot what I was. Oh yeah. I, 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 we, we raced over the weekend. Yeah. Andrea raced. I rode around in the woods really hard and tossed my bike in a ditch. Yeah. You, you had a course problem. So there were a few corners where people were going off course. Um, and even though there was a course marshal there, because the course marshal was apparently kind of standing next to two trails and just pointing a flag towards the two trails. So if you weren't just like head up with someone right in front of you, it was easier than most of you know most courses to go uh, off course. But yeah, anyway, I didn't go off course, and I and I won single women single speed. Um, it was it was awesome. Um, I'm real. I'm, I'm like real surprised that I've, I've been able to like come out here and start kicking ass in cross country, um, and I'm gonna do Breck Epic, which is gonna be great. So, yeah, I'm training hard for that. Um, 
going to do Firecracker 50 next weekend with a lady named Liz Carrington out of Durango. She's pretty fast, so uh, we're doing a duo, and uh, I think it's going to be awesome. I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna do really well, and then uh, keep on training for Break Epic. Gonna do that single speed, so you guys can follow along. I'm sure I'll do some uh, recording and uploading and whatnot. Is that all we got for tonight? Um. So I need to. I had a little. Uh, so I raced with Jake, and uh, Jake beat me. How uh, long ago? No, I was going to say Saturday. Oh, okay. Saturday, I got to race with Superfan Jake. It was awesome to see him and his wife for the race. It was pretty cool. They're nice people. Um, so shop I work for was a sponsor of the race, so I got to come up. I got to see a familiar face uh, working our tent before. Um, got to see Russ Griffin, the owner of Cycleton, uh, just more familiar faces before the race, people to chat with, take the edge off. Um, and then I went out, the first climb was like 10 minutes long and I rode about two minutes, a single track and I made a wrong turn. So then I climbed for like 10 more minutes. Uh, long story short, when I got back on course, I had wasted all in, I'm guessing now probably 15 to 17 minutes. And I was really pissed off, like lividly pissed off. And I've been racing since 2009. And I, this, that was the first time in my entire life I had ever it, at all not been on course during a bike race. And I was angry, furious. Um, I really have been working more. I've been riding these longer rides. I've been spending some time at even higher altitude. I've been trying to do good things for myself and sleep and eat and stay hydrated. And and for the first race of the year to go into the trail, I, I was going to, we went up this long climb and I rode the climb by power and I assumed that I would go into the trail way off the back. And I was like, I wasn't going to be last into the single track. There was going to be three or four people behind me. And the people in front of me were going to be like 10 bike lengths up. And I was like, dude, I can slay some single track. This is about to be rowdy bike time. Let's go. And I just messed it all up um, by riding off course. And uh, I found out that if you if you shift a KMC chain at 500 watts out of the saddle, you will separate one of the factory links. And within the next quarter mile, your chain will break. Um, so I broke my chain from shifting under, under, under heavy pedaling. And while I was fixing my chain trail side, every 40 plus sport guy passed me. Um, and if you want to be really pissed off, I suggest you get on your bike with a pike and a dropper post and you go down some Colorado rowdy descending on single track behind a dude in fucking sneakers. <laughs> that's that's how you get pissed. So, um wasn't excited about the end result and the final the way that everything worked out in the end and wasn't really stoked on it. So, 
looking forward to going. I'm not going to race Firecracker this weekend, but I am going to go back to Winter Park and race the Race to Rendezvous or whatever their next event is. It's uh, still another cross-country length race, which I think I have the fitness to do a cross-country type race at 9,000 feet. So, um, yeah, I'm not... I'm really disappointed in myself for riding off course. I'm disappointed in myself for not, not, not changing my day and my attitude when it happened. And I immediately paid for it because all those guys passed me. And if you want to see some egos, ask some 40 plus sport guys if you can pass. There's some ego right there. Guys just straight up not even acknowledging me. Like, not a, acknowledging that I'm an expert broke my chain trying to get by fring 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 here's my bell wouldn't even wouldn't even act like I couldn't I, I wasn't even there so um that's that's my uh you can't watch a video and I can. tell your story at I the can. same time because then you're just going to pause and people are going to be like, what? There's a streaker on uh, whatever that show is with the oh, obstacle course. Yeah. I mean, he's like killing it and dancing, shaking his wiener around. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> he's oh, pretty good. Oh, my he's, gosh. He's killing it, man. Oh man, we have to pause this. Um, all the ladies are loving it too. Look at all that arm meat flailing in the air. <laughs> so happy they're just streaking on course. So, anyway, so you broke your chain. I you broke got my mad. chain. You're disappointed in I'm yourself. Super disappointed. And uh, next, I was disappointed that podiums were four hours after the race. It wasn't four. It was literally three hours after the race. They have timing chips. Yeah, so they used a ten thousand dollar timing system, but because the race is at Winter Park. They, they don't. Want you, they want you to stay. I think they are required to make you stay there for an extended period of time, in order to make you spend eight dollars on hamburgers and four dollars on M and M's. We'll 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 know better. What? <laughs> you so, didn't even share those M and M's. You're damn right. I didn't. Those <laughs> were those were my sad. They those filled a small portion of that large sad spot in my soul. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's where I'm at. Also, um, for the since I've been riding the pike, um, I finally need to true one of the wheels that Kenny built me. So Kenny built some wheels for me, I guess almost a year and a half ago now. They, it is a year and a half. I nines with crest. I nine thirty two holes laced to crest, uh, two, uh, three cross, and for the first time, Kenny, I'm gonna need to true one of my wheels, and that's after probably descending. Lots and lots. You know, I can say in two rides, I can comfortably say I descended 10,000. No, in three rides, I can say I descended, what would this be, five and 16,000 feet in three rides on a crest, and I finally need to true my wheel. So. <laughs> nice. They're fucking dope, dude. Was that a rear or a front? Uh, of course the rear. The front one's still doing good. The pike's taking care of everything up front. Nice. Uh, but really, when you got that dropper post on, so I've felt the wheel flex three times today, like so. And there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with the way that it's built. I was just riding. We dropped into this really long descent. Um, there was one guy on a dual crown bike and another guy on a big travel bike, 
Yeah. And I was riding my Crave with a 120, and Andrea was riding her Jet 9, and we caught them. We caught those two dudes, and they had like a minute and a half head start on us, probably. Nice, nice. Yeah. You, I, I don't know if it was a minute and a half. It was, it was, they, they were, they were out of sight. Like, they went down the hill and were out of sight until we caught up to them. Near the end. Near the bottom, but they had stopped at a switchback that was, like, kind of rowdy. And, and they were looking at it. And they were looking at it, and I was like, I actually, like, it was it was rowdy enough that, like, Matt rode through it, and I think if they hadn't been there, I would have walked it, but they were there, so... Peer was, pressure. Peer pressure. Peer pressure. Uh, get you some. And I was like, oh... Show out in front of these 18-year-olds. I was like, oh, hell no. And I just, like, rode it, and it was awesome. And then I was so, like, giddy with myself. That, like, the next hard switch back, I wasn't paying attention, and I, like, had to stop in the middle of it. But it was it was all right. They didn't see that part. Um, all right. Well. Um, yeah, so there's lots of there's lots of info for everyone. Um, let's see if there's anything else cool going on. Like, again, a reminder, buy my stuff. We all know my stuff is legit. It's not It's not junk. So if you want it, let's get it. I'd love to sell it to you. I'd love for someone that really needs it to get it. So, also, I have a power tap wheel set that Kenny built. Uh, power tap, 28 hole, two cross, laced at velocity, A23, non tubeless A23 rims, uh, all silver, everything. They look very classic, very dope. You can have those for a steal. Um, and then you can start training with power so you can do things like go hard enough down a three mile descent that you catch a dude on a downhill bike. But lastly, the dude on the downhill bike before it even started. The reason that I had to catch him, um, and we were riding politely, and I was waiting for Andrea, like after any time she needed to make a, a mishap, because on a big descent like that, like the buddy system is is very important. You don't want to be descending. Like I have the ability to, over the course of that descent, if I really tried, I could probably put a minute and a half into Andrea, right? Like. Yeah, unless I was on the Mach 6. No, but like on the current setup. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, but I the, wasn't... the problem yeah. with that is if you wait five minutes at the bottom and you, your friend doesn't show up, well, then you have to turn around and ride up this hour-long climb to find your friend. You know, so like, and, you know, there's no way of knowing if it's like, oh... I had it. a bug in my ear. Yeah, a bug in my happened. ear, which happened. Or like, I cut my tire, my front, I cut my front tire... And couldn't get it slowed down, and then I washed out and hit my face on the ground, and like, we're gonna get a helicopter. Like, and there's no way to know in between those two unless you stay close, and you know. So I really wanted to catch this kid because he was riding a fucking downhill bike in a regular helmet, and I can't ever imagine a scenario where I want to ride a bike that's so fucking hard to pedal and goes so rowdy. I mean, he'd probably shuttled to the top. Yeah, he definitely shuttled to the top, but I could never imagine a scenario where I'm going to ride a bike that goes so fast, but be able to hit my face on the ground. And also, I can't imagine why you would ride your downhill bike down chimney. There are so many hikers on that trail. We probably all saw the time. twenty people. It doesn't top matter to if it is like the middle of the day on a weekday, like today. There are hikers all up and down that trail, and you cannot, you can't be an asshole. Like, just, oh, you can be. I mean, you shouldn't be an asshole. So, yeah, like that was 
definitely we we were both holding back a little bit i think because of that because you can the grass is tall this time of year and you can go around a corner and run straight into someone but all right well have we been uh i'm, I'm getting hungry i am too um i think that's it kenny do you have anything to add uh no uh riding wise i did i did the Klingman's dome climb in uh near gatlinburg tennessee over the weekend uh-huh. that was pretty cool so it's always fun going out of town and riding you know scenery that's very different so it's pretty cool um it was one of the longer sustained climbs that i've done it was pretty cool i think it was it started at 1500 that sounds about right a little downhill yeah there's like a tiny little downhill maybe a 500 footer and then uh and then you go back up that's about three quarters of the way up um uh, but yeah it was really cool Lots of traffic, unfortunately, but uh, everything was cool. And, yeah, it was just kind of sitting down and grinding out a climb for two and a half hours and then uh, 30 minutes down. So it was pretty cool. Nice. Yeah, if you guys are bored, you can check out the uh, the Strava. So my heart rate was, like, you know, real nice, like, high zone three, low zone four for the whole climb. And then I was, like, zone four and five on the descent. <laughs> you got to love that. Yeah, it was so awesome. So we had so much fun descending. Like, we... Um, yeah, like we took chances. It was really cool. <laughs> it was really, really fast. Pretty much every time I looked down at my Garmin, it said 38 to 42. Uh, for That's not that, once you get used to that, it's not quite as bad, but no, it's at not, first it's it feels bad. like you're about to die. No, no, I mean, it's, it's fun. I loved it. That's why I was doing it. Um, but you know, the best part is like not touching the brakes and just like railing corners. Yeah. Road bikes can be fun. They're super fun. So yeah, it was a good time. Something different. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. Not sucking shit. Uh, here weather-wise. I don't know if you guys could hear it over the microphone, but it is like thundering and lightning right now. Oh, speaking of that, so Oh, hold yesterday. on, hold on, hold on. Before you very... I want to ask Kenny a road bike question. Okay. Um, with your Praxis rings, you don't like the shifting, correct? Okay, so they are... I don't know if they're like wearing in or like what the heck's going on with them, um, but I also did some adjustments and everything, and they, they are doing better as far as the rubbing. I still get rubbing... Um, and I understand it's a cross-chain thing, but I didn't get this on the FSA ring, so it is what it is. But anyway, when I'm in uh, 1 on the front and 11 or 10 on the back, it rubs significantly, like so bad that it's like trying to shift. Oh, right. yeah, and mine, that's, mine that's, does that on my road bike. So that's probably because they have bigger shift ramps. It could be. Uh, it shifts okay from 1 to 2 when I intentionally shift it, but the cross-chain rubbing kind of bugs me. Um, and... Yeah, that that was the really big thing for me. Uh, everything else is like kind of worn in, and they seem to be working a little bit better. I'm not as pissed with them as I was before, but they're still not perfect. So, last question though, what chain are you running? Uh, Shimano. Good. That's all I want to know. Because it's really funny their their packaging says run anything except KMC. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. Yeah, I just run a uh, I run a Durace chain. Well, the thing is, is I didn't know if you had gotten your Cannondale new, it more than likely came with a KMC chain. And if you hadn't needed to change it because they seemed to last forever, then you may have been running a KMC chain with Praxis rings. But the packaging says use SRAM Shimano or it says it's like must use SRAM Shimano or Campy chain only. (laughs) Like they don't say don't use KMC but they say don't use KMC. That's really funny. But no, my bike has only ever had... I think it came with an Altegra, and then I put a Dura Ace on. Cool. 
Yeah, so so thunder and lightning. Uh, yesterday, I was going to... Very, very frightening. <laughs> I was... <laughs> Shut up. So I was going to ride um, up kind of high yesterday, and I got up around probably like, I don't know, like 9,700 feet or so. Like, I got halfway up, like, my longest climb of the day. That was, it was just going to be like a 2,000-foot climb and get up close to... Probably close to 11,000 <clears throat> 11, feet and definitely be, like, right along tree line. Like, you're you're getting up um, in, like, the area where the trees are a little more sparse. And uh, I got part of the way up and, like, there's, like, it was kind of, like, spitting rain on me. And, like, off to my left, like, over the top of the mountain is, like, a black cloud and there's some thunder. And then over to the right and, like, the, the like the mountains kind of in front of me and to my right, like there was another black cloud and I could actually see like a bunch of lightning coming out of it. And I was like, you know, that's just, uh, it's like getting around noon, which is a little early for that kind of storm to roll through, but out here, but you know, if it can, it can definitely happen because it's just what happens out here. Um, so I turned around and went back. Like I didn't finish my ride because I didn't want to, risk getting struck by lightning um just like a few miles south of me that storm was responsible for 15 people on a mountain like 15 hikers getting struck by lightning and it killed one dog so it was really good that i turned around and went back because i could have gotten struck by lightning i would imagine that being on a mountain where you are like there's no trees um that you would pretty much just instantly get hit by lightning yeah, one time, um, okay, so here's a good, this is a dude earlier, I know, we need to wrap it up, but dude earlier wanted to hear a story, and we can end with my story. Um, the first time I came out to Colorado, um, I was doing Marathon Nationals, and I was doing, it was when it was at the Firecracker 50K, or 50 miler, um, and I was doing Breck 100. And I did the Firecracker, did okay, got a podium, got third place. Um, single speed and I'm going to do Breck 100 single speed and so I get on my bike like I I go to Breckenridge and I want to pre-ride the 100 mile course and so I get on my bike and start doing loop number one which takes you up and over Wheeler Pass which is the big ski hill that like behind the town and right when I get to the base of the hill, there's this giant black cloud with like lightning and rain and shit coming out of it. And I'm like, eh, whatever, it's a storm. And so it won't stop. It started playing by itself and it won't stop. <laughs> well, just hit that button on the top of your phone. Anyway. So there's a storm right on top of the mountain. And then mountain is a, a ski hill. So it's got intermittently bare spots on it, like wide bare spots. And B, like, you do get up and over tree line near the top. And I start up this thing, and it just, like, opens up on me. It's, like, sleeting and hailing, and there's lightning. And I just put a jacket on, and I, like, keep on going. I'm like, ah, whatever, it's just a thunderstorm. And I rode up, and, you know, it, like, the sun came out. You know, like, it, it seemed like it passed. And then I, I got to the very, very top, and it snowed on me. And it was, like, thunder snowing. And I'm like, yeah, you know, fuck the weather. I can do this. And I kept on going and kept on going. And, and, you know, once I got up to the top, like it cleared up and, and I went down the other side and I was like the next day or that night over like dinner and a beer, like with some of the hikers that were staying at the hostel, I told them about it. And they're like, 
you almost died. Like, you seriously, like, you literally, you have no idea, but you almost died today. Like, that was the most dangerous thing. That kills, like, tourists coming here and being up in an area like that when a storm like that comes through is, like, that's, like, the number one killer, besides moose, uh, is the number one killer of people, like, tourists who come to Colorado. They're, like, that was the stupidest thing that we've heard in a long time. So that was where I learned to not screw with alpine storms because I almost died not knowing that I almost died. Alpine storms ain't nothing to fuck with. Exactly. <laughs> and for that, we're going to drop the mic, call it done. Good this night. This has been an episode of Just Riding Along brought to you by Technical Difficulties, Mechanicals, Broken Chains, Bad Course understanding knowledge not going where you need to go extra climbs and technical difficulties again mm-hmm.